Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, a resource of Orchard Africa. The mission of Orchard Africa is to equip the church to care for the vulnerable. For three decades, a passionate community of churches, leaders, and donors have worked together to feed, educate, care for, and empower under-resourced communities in Southern Africa. To date, Orchard Africa and its partners have served over 10 million meals to families in need, cared for over 75,000 orphan children, and enrolled 8,000 children in high-quality early learning programs. All of this takes place through local African leaders to help communities move from survival to stability to sustainability. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, where we help you make a positive and sustainable difference in the lives of the vulnerable across the world. My name is Brian Lemieux, and I'm the executive pastor here at Orchard Africa. And I'm here at the table with our co-founders, Mike and Michelle Tessendorf. Hello, everyone. Hi. Michelle is the CEO of Orchard Africa and provides day-to-day directional leadership over the scope of our whole ministry. And Mike is our senior pastor and leads uh, and mentors and encourages our pastors in South Africa. And um, we are here for episode number 14. It's the month of March. And uh, great news, Uh, we, we lived out of a... A temporary pod container for a number of months, kind of middle of last year to this year, and we are now um, officially in uh, a new office, and we've relocated, which has been a huge blessing not to be uh, remote uh, anymore on Zoom all the time, and so we're recording our first podcast in our, our new office. Our new office. It's so much fun to have an office again, you know. Mm. It was great working from home and being remote, and uh, it had some of, you know, it had some blessings. But it's wonderful just to be back in an office space with everybody, and yeah. it's a wonderful blessing that God has given to us. And one of the blessings is, uh, I think we're we can retire the Allen wrench. <laughs> We've put together, <laughs> taken apart, and put together so many different um, pieces of furniture. So I'm I'm glad to yeah. kind of bronze that, put it on the wall, and say we're we're done assembling. Yeah, things. what happened to the days when they used to deliver furniture in not in a box, but as a piece of furniture? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we should get a discount for manual labor. <laughs> so yes, I'm glad to see that Allen wrench go. Well, for today's podcast, let's jump right in. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, uh, finding joy when we're serving in hard places. Mm. And in mission, we uh, often find ourselves in difficult scenarios and difficult contexts and dealing with difficult issues and hard scenarios. And um, how do we manage that well and bring... Um, life and change through those those hard hard times and so we're going to talk about what are um the outcomes that we can experience uh, even in the midst of serving in, in hard places and, and those outcomes often are the source of our joy and yeah absolutely yeah. so what are hard places well i think anybody in ministry would probably agree that ministry in and of itself is hard uh, I, I don't think anybody in ministry would say this is easy and this is a cushy job. Mm-hmm. So ministry, no matter where you are and no matter who you're serving and where you're serving, it's hard. I think when it comes to the mission side of ministry, uh, in, in my estimation, what makes mission ministry hard 
is so often you're dealing in, in with, with people and in areas where the needs are huge mm. um, and the resources are yeah. few. It's kind of, you, you're up against a wall uh, where there's, there's nowhere to turn. And I think a lot of times those hard places cause leaders and pastors in those areas to kind of just lose hope throughout their hands mm. it's, it's it's impossible yeah i think you're right in that uh, most church leaders if you ask them will go oh my community's hard mm. and we all feel like there's mm. something really hard about my community but in uh, middle class and more affluent areas, you have the hardness, but you have resources mm. with which to um, bring some relief mm. and to minister in those hard places. Yeah. But I think what you're saying, Mike, here is uh, in communities where you see some of the world's greatest human suffering also have the least amount of mm. resources. Mm. And the combination of those two mm. is very hard. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I do a lot of handy work myself. And I think the, the example that I kind of equated to is, what if I was going to build something and there wasn't a Home Depot down the road? Mm. Mm. And so uh, it, 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 mm. building something is hard. But when you've got somewhere to go to get the tools and the, 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 the materials you need, you can get it done. Right. But what if there's no Home Depot? What if there's no mm. tools? What if mm. there's nowhere to go? There's no safety mm. net. Right. It's just relentlessly hard right. all the time. Right. And sometimes it's exacerbated by the fact that it's been hard for a long time. Mm. Yeah. They haven't had a Home Depot for generations. Right. Mm. And so coming in as a, a leader in that community or trying to bring change in that community, you're, you're having to overcome generations of challenges. And so yeah. it's, espe it's especially hard in those, in those contexts. Right. So when we talk about... Uh, the joy in hard places, that's what we're referring to. Mm. I think uh, we acknowledge that it's hard in ministry in every city, every community has issues that are hard that people need to be dealing with. But for us, the definition of hard places that we're talking about today is when we have these, this human suffering with little to no mm. resources to make any difference. Mm. Mm. Okay, so that's the context in which we talk yeah. about hard places. Yeah. Mm. So where does the joy come from in that? You know, we've just spoken and defined hard places, and it sounds awful. <laughs> Yet we're saying there's joy in these mm. hard places. So mm. where do we find that joy, and why do we say that? Mm. Well, one of the verses that comes to mind uh, from the New Testament is Hebrews twelve two, where... Uh, it talks about the the life and the mission of Christ, and it was f uh, for the joy set before him. He, mm. he Jesus endured the cross, mm. and mm. so for him, uh, it was not only uh, um, the right thing to do. It was not only out of uh, a sense of um, obligation and this mandate to fulfill his mission, but there was a sense of joy in in what what was to come. What was the the outcome? Mm. That he yes. he was able to see mm. yeah. as a result of the, mm. that very very hard place that right he and put it's such a in. difficult scripture to really understand that for the joy set before him he endured the cross it's like what mm. Mm. and mm. you're right the outcomes is where the joy comes from 
Yeah, I think no matter how hard the place is, there has to be an expectation that something can be done and that wading through all the challenges and the insurmountable odds, that somewhere there can, a difference can be made, somewhere hope can arise, somewhere a solution can be found. And that's probably where it's so important to make sure there's, there's, there's a clear vision of this is hard, but with God, it's possible to make a difference. Mm, mm, right, mm. right. And so we're going to wade through the hardship with the joy of seeing what's on the other side. Mm. Um, no matter how long it takes and no matter how hard it gets. Mm. Right. Mm. And I, I thought it would be really useful for us um, over the last two podcasts since the beginning of this year, we've been examining Isaiah 58 and Matthew 25 and seeing how they correlate and what that means for our faith. And uh, we've been looking at this phrase being a repairer of the breach and mm. what that looks like. Mm. And so for our listeners who perhaps have missed those two episodes, mm. I would highly recommend that you listen to them. Um, but amongst all of those verses in Isaiah 58, uh, we, we read about if you pour yourself out to the needy and the poor and you share your bread and all the things that we've spoken about, there's this uh, woven into all of that is joy mm. and uh, amazing outcomes mm. and uh, uh, uplifting scriptures about what will be the outcome. And uh, I'd love for us to just look at those today, uh, that hard places are not only sorrowful. Mm. Clearly, there are sorrowful things that happen, but there's also tremendous joy. And we've seen that in our ministry for the last uh, 30 years, mm. where we've seen that joy and we've seen the hope that you mm. spoke of. Mm. Well, do we want to just uh, highlight some of those things that it mentions yep. in Isaiah Absolutely. 58? Yeah. Mm. Let's do that. Um, th as Michelle said, there's, there's the if you give yourself to the needy and pour yourself out for the hungry and the afflicted. But some of the, some of the joy, some of the, the, the real great outcomes, it talks about your light arising in the darkness. It talks about God guiding you continually. Um, satisfying your desire in scorched places, that's hard places, mm -hmm. uh, giving strength to your bones and that you'll be like a well-watered garden. I like that one. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the last um, passage talks about rebuilding ruins and rebuilding ancient places, uh, being a repairer of the breach mm. and restoring streets in which to dwell. Right. And I mean, all of those are such great mm. things to strive mm. towards. Mm. Yeah, one of the ones that jump out to me on that list is this idea uh, about being a watered garden mm -hmm. and the, the spring that never uh, fails to produce water. And when you look at that passage, it says when you pour yourself out for the hungry, for those in need, then you become this ever-flowing fountain, mm. this watered garden that yeah. never stops. And yes. uh, I love the... Um, the contrast of that when you give yourself away it produces this spring kind of it makes me think of like if you took a bucket of water and you poured it on the ground it would produce a spring on the ground and that's yeah. this picture that we get there and, and you know one example of that um, uh, is a story of um, our agriculture program mm. and up in the northwest province 
there's an incredible leader named Boise. And Boise was someone who uh, participated in our agriculture program, went to our workshop at the Malawani Village Church there, Fountain of Hope Church. And uh, just when he was poured into mm. with the, the, the knowledge about agriculture, with the, um, the training that he needed to be able to learn how to grow his own food, it was like a, a spring of water that, uh, that was formed within him. Yep. And I mean, he took like it, uh, took to it like, uh, you know, beads to honey. And, um, and then from there, that one pouring out led to then him taking hold of, um, that workshop and that mm-hmm. program and learning how to grow his own produce. Now, if you drive by his house, there's this amazing, massive garden, maybe the best garden in, in the whole village. Um, because uh, that first pouring out happened, uh, it led to him becoming a spring. Mm. And now mm. he's a spring that's doing mentoring and training in his community. So I just love that idea of uh, when you invest in somebody, when you develop somebody in a village that was a very, very hard place. Mm. It produced this life. Yeah, and I think um, you you touched on the word development. And for me, that is where the well-watered garden comes from uh, as an analogy, is when you start building into people, when we move from relief to development, Mm. it's a continuous. You start seeing uh, this well just uh, continuously Springing, springing up, up. Mm. it is um you know the more you work at it the more refreshed you mm. become mm. and the more you develop people they become refreshed and they pass on to others and we've seen that with boise and others uh, we made a decision years ago to not only provide relief not only provide food but to help people uh, provide their own food mm. and mm. with that comes the dignity of providing for yourself and the skill that you've learned and you've developed. And we see that in that great example of Boise. Mm. And when you walk uh, around the village, suddenly everything's green and it used to be a dusty Mm. old village. Mm. And Mm. so uh, not only uh, metaphorically do we have well-watered gardens. It's literal. It's literal. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, one that's on the list here that really stands out is that first one that says your light will rise in darkness. As a ministry, we have worked through two worldwide pandemics. The first one was the AIDS pandemic over 30 years ago, and then uh, this recent one of COVID. And in both pandemics, uh, the early days of it, it's darkness. There was no... uh, Best practice, you know, as a community where people are dying of AIDS, uh, no best practice. Everybody's grappling with this new virus that is uh, literally killing people um, and entire communities and the adult population and the resulting orphan crisis. And uh, we were pastoring a church at the time and it felt like darkness. Mm. How, How are we going to respond to this? Uh, what are we called to do as the body of Christ? In what way is the church going to respond? And it, it wasn't easy. Mm. But 
your light will rise in mm. the darkness. And uh, we saw light coming as we uh, started implementing programs, even in our ignorance, just stumbling along and saying, well, they are orphan children, they're hungry, let's feed them. And one thing leads to another. And this mm. idea of light rising, mm. where you can see the light, you can see a way out. The same with the AIDS pandemic, I mean, the COVID pandemic. Mm. Mm. Uh, strict lockdowns yeah. everywhere, South Africa in one of the strictest lockdowns. And yet in that, we found a way and uh, we're first responders and kind of leads into that scripture, the Lord will continually guide you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the joy of that outcome, the light that rises and as you step out, it's like the light's there. Uh, and as you respond, God guides you. Step at a time. Yes. And it's not always yes. the that God illuminates the entire road ahead of you, but it's... Oh, gosh, I wish he would, but no. <laughs> I think one of the joys in that is over time, working in hard places, you can look back and you can see the lighted path behind you, mm -hmm. mm. which is mm. so informative about what it means to move forward mm. and sometimes we are always so focused on what's next and i want to know all the steps i have to take ahead but the lighted path that you've already been on mm. of god continually being faithful over and over again in some of the hardest places then gives you uh, wisdom about how to move forward into new crisis yeah. into mm. new hard places yeah. right one step at a time one step yeah. at a time yeah. yeah i like what you said about those two kind of working together because i i, I do think that even though it's one step at a time, when we are conscious or when we are dependent on the fact that, God, I, I, just, just show me one step, just lead me one step and do that day by day by day, God leads us to a place where light arises. Mm -hmm. um, he is light and he will always lead us sometimes into places that are dark, but then through those places that are dark for the light to, 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 to spring up and to shine forth. Right, right. Um, and so the encouragement to uh, people who want to uh, be involved in outreach, uh, whether it's as a church leader or as a donor or as just as an individual, one step at a time. <laughs> it's when we take those steps, when we start with something, mm. It's like the lights go on as we go mm. and uh, the light rises and the Lord leads. But I think so often we sit back and we could have in the AIDS pandemic. I know nothing about AIDS. Uh, what yeah. does the church got to offer? Yeah. You know, this is a medical condition, mm, yeah. etc. And And we, in our ignorance, we feel we've got nothing to offer. And so we don't take those first steps. And for any person wanting to make a difference in this world in hard places, it really does just mean take one step, mm. start something, and the light starts shining and God guides. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think what, what, besides feeding the, 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 the children that were orphaned and vulnerable mm. as a result of that, one of the steps, which seemed like a very small one at the time, was help uh, when it became known that HIV was uh, sexually transmitted, m mostly, and let's find teenagers who are becoming sexually active and just help them make smart decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and it was as simple as just providing real basic information of this is 
how you what, what you can do and what you shouldn't do to protect yourself. Right. Right. Um, and it was a, going into high schools at the time and talking to these kids who were traumatized and fearful and mm. ignorant mm. with just some basic practical guidance of this is how you can keep yourself safe. Mm. And then years down the road, seeing those teenagers graduate from high school and get married mm. and mm. be well and mm. have children mm. and productive right. people in society today. Mm. But it was just one step mm. of... It's insurmountable. We know nothing, but we can do this. And you know, you're right. It reminds me of those early days when we went into high schools and we were speaking to thousands of young children uh, about AIDS and how it's uh, contracted and how it's not and all of those things. That young girls would come to me and hug me with tears running mm. down their, their cheeks saying, thank you. I wish somebody had told me this before or thank you for telling me this. Mm. Nobody's ever told me any of this. Mm. And a lot of what we were doing was really uh, sex education, along with the sexually transmitted disease that was killing people mm. and helping them understand that it's not inevitable. And uh, the, the, the wonderful responses that we got, especially from young girls mm. who were feeling very uh, unempowered. Mm. And with that knowledge, they felt empowered and were able to make different choices. Um, and to me, that is absolutely a light rising in the darkness. Mm. And I think one of the promises related to that is uh, if, you're, if you're serving in a hard place, if you're in that moment and you're trying to figure out what to do next, mm -hmm. um, with each step celebrating the small wins. Yes. Uh, it'd be great if we knew the outcome was thousands of children growing up and becoming... Um, well-educated uh, people who love God and are serving their community, but we don't have the luxury of knowing all that. Right. And so being able to celebrate the win of that small step and that child that's educated. In. Yes. And if you find yourself, I, I don't know how to endure all of the steps of the hard place to celebrate mm. God's provision in the, mm. in the wins of each, of each yes. step. Yes. You know, it, it talks about that um, it gives strength to your bones. And when you're working in hard places, it can be really exhausting. Mm -hmm. When I think of uh, having strength to my bones, it's like even deeper mm -hmm. than my muscles. I'm just so, <laughs> so exhausted. It's all the way through yeah. to my bones. <laughs> and, and it mm -hmm. can be. It's true. But when we start the work, we build stamina. It's like any exercise. The more you do it, the more stamina you have for that particular activity. Mm. And the more we step out and do some of the work in the hard places, actually you're building stamina there and uh, the easier it becomes. You become more intuitive about uh, how to respond and how not to respond, what to do. Um, you learn, just mm. like in any other, uh, you, you gain experience. And the more experience you have, the more you can see the subtleties of what's going mm. on mm. in this human drama and uh, what is the most appropriate way to respond. Mm. And as, so uh, to me, that's where this uh, strength in your very bones uh, comes to. Mm. That uh, it's, it's a deep, deep strength mm. that yeah. comes to you. Yeah. It's not just surface level, but it doesn't come easily. It comes with putting in the work. It comes with doing uh, the one step after the next step yeah. and, and sticking to it. 
you know, we use this phrase in Orchard Africa a lot, is this long obedience in the same mm. direction. That's what builds stamina. Mm. And this, this sense of uh, strength in mm. your bones. Mm. When I hear you talk about stamina and uh, the strength in your bones, it makes me think of this idea that God redeems hard places. And one of the ways he redeems it is he makes us stronger by going through the hard place, by going yes. through the, the challenge. And if not for the hard place, if not for the challenges, we wouldn't be as wise as we are. Mm. And I think that uh, the hand of God is in even some of the most difficult scenarios we're in because it makes us stronger, wiser, better at what we do as we move mm. forward. Mm. Mm. So that could that could be a consolation even when you're um, kind of um, you know hoeing difficult uh, ground yes. uh, to know that that's that's right. giving strength to your bones for future opportunities. Right, kind of uh, smacks of that scripture that says to um, rejoice when you are facing all kinds of. Yeah. Um, Trials, trials and, and tribulations yeah, it because to, it yeah. leads mm. to mm. Uh, it's through the hardship that you gain that wonderful benefit of of what the scripture speaks about and so it's similar mm. to what you were mm. saying right now mm. um you know one of the stories which um, still just um remains so powerful to me along this line of god's guidance and and, and light coming um, I remember we were sitting in the office and mail was delivered one day and we had got this huge pack uh, that had been put together by a pastor in Zambia and it was mm. an outline of the incredible needs that were being faced in rural communities in Zambia where resources are extremely, extremely limited because they're so isolated and so far away from everything and he outlined all the needs and the numbers of children and the, the orphan crisis and the hunger crisis and then a, a plan that he had put together to try and meet some of these needs. And I mean, it, it was a thick, <laughs> thick pile of papers. And we, we, I can remember Michelle and me sitting and looking and wading through this and thinking, oh, you know. What can we do about it? Thanks, thanks, mm -hmm. but no thanks. Mm -hmm. God bless mm -hmm. you. We'll pray for you and kind of put it aside. And mm -hmm. a week later, picked it up again and no, put it mm -hmm. aside and somehow God would not let us let go of this thing. Um, and at that time we were traveling uh, between, it was a time when we were traveling between Africa and the United States and we left the pack in the office. And when we got to the other side of the world, an email came. <laughs> it was the same pack, which we now It was had. following you. <laughs> and uh. we eventually concluded God is saying something and we, we need to trust him to guide us. And the decision was made, let's just go and have a look. Let's just go and see. And it turned out that the place where this pastor was uh, talking about was like three hours outside of Lusaka, the capital of Zambia, I mean, a remote mm. rural The district was, is called uh, Mumbwa. Um, it's so remote that it, it's like 
each hour that you drive out of the city, it's like going back, back 50 years and another really? 50 years. Yeah. Before. Mm. By the time we got to this village, they were plowing with oxen right. and uh, by mm. hand. And, you know, wow. I don't think some of those uh, people had ever seen a white face before. I remember some of the kids looking really <laughs> frightened. What's wrong, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> who, who are you? Yeah. Where do you come from? <laughs> But the outcome was when we got to to the Mumbua district. Um, it's it's a like they call themselves peasant farmers, and so their livelihood is subsistence subsistence farming. farming. They eat what they plant. Uh, this was late October, early November, so the harvest had been reaped. It had been eaten. And the rainy season hadn't come, so the new harvest hadn't yet been planted, and there was no food. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, when, when, and when I say no food, it's not like they could go to the store and buy mm. food. They didn't have money because mm. they were subsistence farmers. And so every single scrap of food that they had in that entire community was gone. Mm. If I'm not mistaken, they were digging up roots, and they were also boiling up uh, mangoes, mangoes that there were, were not a lot of mango ripe trees, mm. that were, but they were mm. not ripe. Mm. Right. And so they, they were picking it. these green mangoes and kind of boiling them up and making mm. a mush, and that's what they were eating. Mm. Hundreds and hundreds of people. Mm. How can you and, not respond to mm. that? And I think the light that came of that was when we were able to see what the need was. It wasn't just another pastor with you know mm. a, a dream of, hey, let me see if I can get some money from somewhere. This was hundreds of people desperate. Um, we managed An to find somebody w w with a little truck and we drove back into Lusaka three hours, mm. <laughs> loaded up with as much food, food and, and blankets as we possibly could and went back and, and distributed it. And that mm. eventually led to a feeding program being started in that community, partnering with the church, partnering with the people, partnering with the chief and people seeing the light come of mm. knowing that they didn't have to starve between then mm. and April or May the next year when the next harvest came. If the rains came. If the rain came. Right. And then as Michelle right. said, they plow with, with oxen and, you know, mm. and just the light of, of when we handed out the food and saw the hope come mm. to in the eyes of those, those people mm. and the kids just getting a blanket. Mm. Um, and it was so easy for us to just leave that package on the table and say, you know, do we really need another community to care for? Mm. But God would not let us mm. go. And it, it kind of reminds me of this one, the scripture that says you will rebuild ruins and ancient places. Mm. Um, that community in Africa is an ancient place. That village has been there yeah. for a long, long time. And they've been subsistence farmers for a long, long time. And uh, this calling to rebuild is that we don't work in isolation. We build on that which has come before yeah. us. There have been missionaries in Africa, missionaries, I'm sure, in that village for a long time. And uh, sometimes we rebuild what was already, already built in those villages. And sometimes we fix and sometimes uh, we work on what was in the past. Um, and I think it's important for us to know that we're not doing it the first time. We're not the newbies on the block. We mm. really are building in ancient places. Mm. God's been at work mm. all along. And we, our generation is called to keep building what he's already been building. It's, um, 
it's a link. Mm. This is nothing new. Mm-hmm. This is what we are called to do in our time, uh, to continue this work in we, ancient we, places. We don't do that alone. No, we never do we, it alone. God, God sent people before us. He'll send people after us. Mm. So the burden of I'm all by myself mm. or it, the problem is too big. Right. First and foremost, God is, God is with you. God is nearer mm. than you can imagine. Right. But then he's constantly sending people to be a part of that work. And mm. that is comforting to know that it doesn't just reside on your shoulders alone. Mm. Mm. Right. And I love that word of ancient places. We're not talking mm. about, oh, well, you know, 10 years ago there was a missionary and now I got, uh, uh, uh. God has been at work for a very mm. long time. And um, we just part of that process. And not just, we, we joyfully part of that process. Mm. And as you said, we're not alone. Uh, somebody's mm. come before us. And at some point we're going to pass the baton on mm. to somebody else who will mm. come after us. And again, that speaks into any any ministry, any person, any outreach director that's involved in mission work in hard places. Mm. Um, to just be, be encouraged, to just stick with the step that God guides you to take next and just stick with it. You, you said that, Michelle, just mm. stay faithful. It's, sometimes it's a long obedience, but just follow mm. those steps, follow that path, follow that light, because ultimately God's light does come if you just see it through. Mm. You know, and satisfying your desire in scorched places. I mean, to me, a scorched place is a hard place. Mm. Um, mm. It it doesn't. It's we we get so easily discouraged when we don't see overnight results or instant uh, solutions. Mm-hmm. Mm. But when you're working in hard places, scorched places, dry places, um, solutions are sometimes slow in coming. Mm. And it takes people who are committed to mission, committed to pouring themselves mm. out to mm. the needy to just stick with it, stick with mm. it. And I think uh, for church leaders who are wanting to engage in these hard places, it's important to take note of what you said, that it takes time. Mm. If you're wanting to bring development mm. and if you truly want to make a difference, it's going to take time. Mm. It's not going to be a quick fix. Mm. As much as we modern people want quick fixes, it's mm. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time. Um, you know, the, the one where it says restore streets in, in streets in which to <coughs> dwell. I'm always reminded that most people the world over want to live in safety Mm. and they want provision with their family and with their community. They want to have streets in which to dwell. You know, it's not that everybody wants to be the next star or, you know, build a big business. Most of us, really, we do things that Mm. we do in order to have this place of safety in a community Mm. for our family. Mm. And... um, this in Isaiah says that when we start doing this work in hard places, we will restore streets in which to dwell. Mm. And that gives me so much joy because I see families, I see uh, community, I see joy, I see uh, people uh, being there for one another. It's not just individuals who uh, we're helping, it's communities that mm. we're building, mm. it's streets mm. of people. And it makes me think of uh, Mololwani village when we started working in that village. It was one of those desolate villages with uh, mud huts that 
desperately need mm. repair. You know, the rains would come and the mud would cave in and it was just a, 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 a desolate vis- village. You know, when we talk about scorched places, I think of yeah. that village. Yeah. If I took you to that village today, you would not believe that it was a scorched place. We see so, so much of this where streets are being dwelt in, mm. new homes going up, um, not mansions. We're talking mm. about uh, uh, modest homes built with brick, mm. uh, schools going up, uh, electricity, all of those things. And not all of that is a direct result of what we did. But somehow when we started working in that village and we started some mm. development, other people said, oh, well, we'll add to that. And somebody yep. else said, we'll add to that. And mm. before you knew yep. it, we have a thriving mm. community mm. there mm. right mm. now. Mm. We now have streets mm. in which to dwell, literal streets in which mm. to dwell. Which is well, literal, sudden. literal streets. Like, is yeah. the, <laughs> for real. The, <laughs> the, the, the municipal authorities have actually mm. come in and put a paved road right through mm. that village where before it was just, just mud. And yeah. during the rainy season, you couldn't get in there. Right. They and now have a paved road. Absolutely. And one of the joys of having a... a brick homes is that people have an address we take that for granted well what's your address and we rattle Mm, it off mm. but when you're living in a village it's like well i live in that hut near the big tree past Mm. the whatever now they have a literal address and they said this is where i live and that brings dignity and it brings this idea of streets in which to dwell Mm. Uh, but that didn't happen overnight I love the momentum that you're describing in when you pour your life into a community, it, there's a point where it takes on its own life. Mm-hmm. And so we may not have been responsible for all the municipalities uh, bringing in roads, but when you put your life into a community, it takes on its own life. And then yeah. things happen that wouldn't yeah. have happened yeah. had mm-hmm. you not poured yourself out in right. that time and in that place and it, it is it's like a fire it just ignites mm. around you and mm. other people get involved and uh it is this this joy of working in mm. hard places mm. is you see the outcomes for the joy set before you mm. you know you, mm. you you endure the hardship but you see the outcome well if somebody listening to this is uh, in a place that feels really really hard mm. uh Go to Isaiah 58, read the promises, and be reminded that uh, though you're in a hard place, uh, God provides. Mm. And God often uh, does the opposite of the condition that you're in, where it feels like it's scorched, he's going to bring new life. Where Mm. it feels like it's dry, he's going to create a fountain and a spring of water. And So super encouraging um, when we uh, are reminded of how God is in every moment of it and Mm. every every step of it with us. And, Absolutely. Which I think is a good place to, to land for us today. Yes. And I'd like to add something yeah. to uh, ministry leaders, outreach directors. Um, in the desire we have to see results, sometimes we avoid the hard places because we know that results are going to take long. And mm. th- there may be a ministry leader out there who needs to hear this. I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid of the hard places. Mm-hmm. There are people in hard places that need you to go there. And I can't 
make any guarantees or promises, but the scripture says when you go to those hard places, their outcomes are so joyful. Mm-hmm. So if you're that person, mm-hmm. go to that hard mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. and do what you feel God has put in your heart to do. Right. Mm-hmm. We did that 30 years ago. We mm-hmm. went mm-hmm. and God has surprised us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Well, good conversation and thanks for uh, the work that you did in the hard place uh, many decades ago and and for now the fruit that's been born for today. And so with that, um, encourage people to join us next time. Yes. We yeah. continue the conversation. I look forward Great to talking it. to you today. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.